Well, this is exciting. I'm looking forward to uh, spending this time with you. Um, as you know, the past nine weeks I've been uh, teaching, uh, doing the regular scripture lesson, the sermon that we would normally do at Open Anchor, but I've been doing it at my at my desk at home. And so uh, it's always kind of been weird. The only person I've been able to teach to is, is my dog, uh, Toby. He's usually in the room uh, making all kinds of... Uh, accessory noise. Uh, but anyway, here we are, and I'm looking forward to this time. Uh, we are continuing in our Behind the Music teaching series, and uh, this is week five, and uh, each week we've been looking at a song, and we've been looking at the lyrics of the song, and that's been kind of a, a springboard into uh, biblical truths that we can really uh, embrace and incorporate into our lives, because the scriptures are full of transferable principles, but so is life. There's lots of things in our lives that we come across as like, wow, there's, there's some truth here. And so uh, we've been looking at some kind of dorky songs, some kind of good songs, and tonight is one of those good songs. Uh, we are entering this week and next into what I've uh, called the Tears for Fears Suite. So uh, today, our song, we're going to listen to one minute and 45 seconds or so of Tears for Fears, Shout. Go ahead, Nick. All right, uh, that will probably sound better on the video than it did in real life. And on the podcast, if you're listening, uh, you can press pause there and go and actually listen to the song on your favorite music provider, Shout by Tears for Fears. This song was uh, one of the best songs, I think from the mid-80s, uh, late-80s. Uh, but here's a kind of a recap, a synopsis of those lyrics that you kind of heard just then. Shout, shout, which is the name of the song, so that's why it's saying this, shout. Shout, let it all out. These are the things I can do without. Come on, I'm talking to you. Come on. In violent times, you shouldn't have to sell your soul. In black and white, they really, really ought to know. Those one-track minds that took you for a working boy. Kiss them goodbye. You shouldn't have to jump for joy. You shouldn't have to shout for joy. Shout, 
Shout, let it all out. There are things, these are the things I can do without. Come on, I'm talking to you. Come on. They gave you life, and in return you gave them hell. As cold as ice, I hope we live to tell the tale. So tonight, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, shouting, but also about anger. Uh, anger is something that hits pretty close to home with a lot of us. Uh, so I think it's time well spent to talk about um, what God wants to do with our anger. Have you ever been so stressed, so angry, so frustrated that you felt like you, you might need to actually shout, to scream? I mean, to just like give this like vocal blast of emotion? As humans, we are vocal creatures. We're unique in the animal kingdom. I mean, other animals make noises for sure, but the complexity of the human ability to vocalize is unparalleled. We are vocal creatures who share our thoughts, we share our ideas, we share our feelings and our emotions through the use of sound waves. We use sound waves. We can make sound travel from our mouths into other people's ears. It's pretty remarkable. We don't think about it because we just do it all the time, but we're, we're actually sending vibrations through the air from my mouth into your ear. Wow, that's pretty great. We have a remarkable arrangement of vocal cords, of, of, of a tongue, of teeth, of lips, and that makes us have language. That makes us capable of laughter and of emotion. It makes these things possible, but more than that, it makes them nuanced. It's very nuanced. Whether you, we like it or not, we go out into the world and we get to hear all day long what other people are feeling as their sound waves leave their mouth and enter in to our ear holes. Thank you, world. We get to hear what other people say or think through their vocalizations, whether we like it or not. For example, or let's say, um, we can almost instantly differentiate emotion based on people's sounds. The sounds that people are making, we can almost instantly, in most situations, determine what they're feeling. We can assign, we can figure out what their emotional state is based on the sounds they are making. For example, we can almost always tell the difference between a shout of anger and a shout for joy, right? They sound different. Uh, we can almost uh, instantly tell the difference between an exclamation of pain and an exclamation of hello, of greeting. This is especially true among friends and among family members. Uh, it's often been said that a parent can instantly recognize their child's cry in a room full of crying children. You can hear a hundred babies crying, but if you hear your baby crying, you instantly know that's mine because you recognize that sound, that cry. Uh, even my dog, I've got two dogs, Toby and then I've got this little one named Zoe. She barks. She barks a lot, and, uh, which is helpful in some cases, but not so helpful in others. But Zoe, my dog, I can tell the difference between uh, her barking at a cat in the front yard uh, and a person coming to our door. She has a different kind of bark. I can recognize the different kinds of sounds she's making by how she's barking. I know, it's cool. Um, if you know me, many of you do know me, and in fact, because of my studio audience today is all my family for the most part and very close friends, you do know me. You may know this about me. Uh, I don't shout very often. 
I don't shout very often. One, because I'm, I'm just so easygoing. I mean, it's just how I'm wired. I'm just like mellow. Very seldom do I shout. That's one reason. Um, but I don't shout very often also because I've been told I'm not very good at it. I'm not a good shouter. That's a critique that's been leveled at me by my wife and my children. I'm not a good shouter, whatever that means. My wife and my children have oft remarked that I can't shout very well at all. That when I do shout, it sounds like someone is calling to them from a very far away place. Uh, in the next room, perhaps, through a very thick wall. It's like my mouth is open. I'm in close proximity. I am putting a lot of gusto into it, and it still sounds distant, far away. Uh, that's demoralizing. Because if I shout, I want it to communicate. I want it to connect. And if it sounds like I'm in the house next door yelling at them, it loses some of its effect. When I do shout, however, it's usually because I'm angry. I have a quick temper, uh, frustratingly so to my wife. I, I get angry quick, but then I get over it real quick, and that makes her angry because I'm, I shouldn't be over it that quick. She's just getting angry when I'm over it and, I don't know, married stuff. Sometimes I get angry about a peevish situation, or I get fr uh, frustrated because I didn't get my way. Uh, frankly, sometimes it's just because I feel belittled or maybe disrespected. I don't know, you probably feel that too. We get angry, and sometimes it's over little things or, or small slights, but we get so angry. Like I said, I'm normally a pretty easygoing guy. Uh, I'm a guy who likes to keep the peace. I'm a peacemaker, middle child kind of guy. But catch me on the wrong day, get cheeky with me, or tap into my feelings of inadequacy, um, and you will feel the wrath of my far-off sounding anger. I will unleash anger on you that will feel like it's raining down on you from a sizable distance. Um, think about your own self. I've been kind of unzipping my viscera for you, but think about yourself. Do you feel comfortable enough to admit that you might have anger issues? What is it that makes you angry? What really gets your goat? Do you have anger issues? Uh, does someone close to you have anger issues? Uh, anger can really get the best of us sometimes. Things like anger can really come and make us feel powerless in controlling it. Something like that that rises up with inside of us can somehow just take over and we feel kind of powerless to rein it back in, to make it do what we want it to do. We feel powerless sometimes to control it. Maybe you feel like you, you just come from an angry family. Or maybe your mom and your dad, they were just always shouting, so what else can I do? Maybe you sense a powerlessness um, that, that led to a lot of adult tantrums in your home of origin. Or maybe uh, your family was just really struggling over the years to communicate in calm, uh, easygoing, uh, relational ways. They didn't know better, so all they did was yell. I called it adult tantrums. If you don't know what an adult tantrum is, hang out in Walmart. You'll see it. Just wait. Or maybe you just chalk it up to having a big personality. Or maybe uh, you have just big feelings that need to be naturally expressed in, in loud ways, big ways. Maybe it's just you have a big personality. And so whatever the case, and whatever excuse uh, comes uh, convenient, here's what we know. Anger is common. Anger is common, and it's something that Jesus wants to redeem.
Anger is common, and it's something that Jesus wants to redeem in you, and he can do it. In Scripture, we find real people, and these real people, they got really angry sometimes about real things. And the Bible's not just this whitewashed religious story, it's people living life and overreacting, doing crazy stuff, getting angry sometimes. Did you know that uh, even Jesus got angry? Yeah, Jesus got angry. He wasn't always just walking around like, bless you, blessed are the meek, blessed. He got angry sometimes. Jesus showed the full range of emotions. Can you think of the times in the Bible when Jesus got angry? Can you think of times when Jesus got angry? When pastors ask that kind of thing, people typically think of two stories. They think of two stories in the Bible when Jesus got angry. The two main stories uh, which people remember about Jesus getting mad. When he, Jesus clears the temple, and the other ones may be a little, less, or a little more obscure, but Jesus at Lazarus' tomb. Jesus got angry in both of these situations. In both situ situations, the Bible indicates or infers that Jesus made noises. He made sound. Uh, he shouts and he snorts. He actually snorts. I'll tell you more about that here in a second. But if you have, in, have your Bible, you can turn to uh, John chapter 2. John chapter 2, this is about Jesus clearing the temple. And here, understand, he's clearly upset. Okay, Jesus is clearing the temple, and we shouldn't imagine that he's doing it silently. He's not moving around in the temple, flipping tables, freeing pigeons uh, like a ninja. He's making noise. He's expressing his anger. He's probably not just muttering like, you make a compelling argument. No, he's actually upset. And you can imagine Jesus is like venting that frustration vocally. I don't think it's too much to infer in this passage. But look at John chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 13. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. So Jesus went to Jerusalem in the temple area. He saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifice. This is, uh, he also saw dealers of tables. That table's exchanging foreign money. Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and the cattle, scattering the money changers' coins over the floor and turning over their tables. Then going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, Get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. If you will, flip over to Matthew chapter 21. This is kind of a parallel passage in Matthew's gospel. But uh, it talks, and let's see, Matthew 21, starting in verse 12. Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, get this, the scriptures declare, My temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. I like Matthew's, uh, how Matthew captures this in his gospel. You, you sense the anger in Jesus' voice. This is to be a house of prayer for the nations, and you have taken it and turned it into a den of thieves. How dare you? You sense the anger in Jesus' voice. Out of zeal for God and a desire to see the temple be a house of prayer for the nations, Jesus gets angry. He's angry to see the place that was reserved for the nations to come in and worship God, to witness the worship of the one true God. It's been turned into a marketplace of religious goods and services. And this makes Jesus angry. Jesus looks around and he shouts. He shouts. He lets it all out. And he looks at the people and says, These are the things I can do without. 
See what I did there? That's called a tie-in. Let's look at this. Uh, John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Uh, this is the story of Jesus at uh, Lazarus's tomb. And what we find, I won't read you the whole story, but you know, his friend Lazarus is dying. He's, he, he receives the message, hey, your friend's dying, you need to come. Uh, they believe that he could come and heal him. But Jesus lingers in the town where he is for, I think, like two days. And then finally he goes, and Lazarus is dead, comes into town, and both Mary and Martha come to him and like, Jesus, why? Why didn't you get here earlier? Because you could have done so much if you had gotten here earlier. Let's pick it up in verse 17. Uh, John 11. Chapter 11, verses 17 through 34. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles away down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Mary and Martha in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, yes, Martha said. He will rise when, everything, when everyone else rises at the last day. You know, good church answer, right? I mean, you're talking to Jesus, so you've got to come up with something. Jesus told her, no, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who comes, has come into the world from God. Then she turned to Mary, returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, The teacher is here and he wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Now Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to, to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Verse 34, where have you put him? He asked. A deep anger welled up in Jesus outside of Lazarus's tomb. And this is one of my favorite stories because why is Jesus so angry? Who's he angry at? Mary? Martha? No, he's angry at death. He's so ready for this to be over. He's so ready for death to die. But this deep anger wells up inside of him and the word used here, which is a long Greek word, actually means snorted like a horse. Jesus stands there in his anger. He's just so angry this sound like an angry horse comes out of his ribcage. He's just so angry he snorts. In her article, uh, Snorting at Death, the author Deborah Dean Murphy describes the scene thus. She says, When Jesus arrived, arrives at the home of Lazarus, she finds that many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha to console them about their brother. There is much weeping, and as there, usually is, or as there usually is when a loved one dies, some in the crowd were likely professional mourners whose job was to give dramatic, ritual expression to a family's grief. Vocalizations that would raise the emotional pitch of the gathering and provide cathartic release to the, to the bereaved. It must have been quite a sound. 
So much so that we learn that Jesus is greatly disturbed in his spirit and deeply moved. The Greek, though sometimes, uh, the Greek word used here suggests something more primitive, something animalistic about Jesus' response. Uh, The word is enibrimisato. It means to snort like a horse. Jesus snorted like a horse. Now, why doesn't your Bible say this? Well, most English translations, they generally miss this animalistic quality uh, of, the, of character in Jesus as he makes his way through the crowd to the tomb of Lazarus. Make no mistake, Jesus is agitated. Jesus is irritated. Jesus is vexed. It should be clear by now that anger in itself is not sinful. Being angry in and of itself is not a sin. Anger is, in fact, part of how we are made. And if we're made in the image of God, and we have been given by God the ability to become angry, that should perhaps tell us something. It is a God-given emotion, anger. Anger is a God-given emotion that signals and expresses our capacity to do what? At root, our anger helps us express that which we feel deeply about. I would never trade that. It's good that we care, that we care deeply, that we, that we invest ourselves emotionally with something so much that we would become angry when it's mistreated, oppressed, taken from us. It's part of our God-given design. God created us to be able to feel anger on purpose in order to rightly and more fully convey His image in us. Have you ever thought about it that way? That a rightly ordered anger is one of the ways we more fully express God's image in the world. How He made us. In fact, our ability to feel anger is often key in motivating us to do things like pursue justice. It's anger rightly used that causes us to rise up and to risk defending and preserving life, defending the oppressed and preserving life, even when it's at great cost to ourselves. It's that deep sense of caring and of being angry about something that ought not be. But the problem with anger, like sin in general, is that it can so easily and so quickly just get away from us. It can just get so out of sorts, out of bounds. It very easily can become imbalanced. Our anger can very easily become hijacked by our pride. It can be hijacked by our ego-driven nature. It can become inwardly focused, and it can become unhealthy. Maybe you've seen this in yourself or in someone you know and love. This good thing that God gave us, anger, becomes so exaggerated, and it metastasizes, and becomes something very toxic in our life, instead of something good that God gave us. It becomes like a, a river that overflows its banks, and then destroys everything in its path. Our anger like so many areas in our life, our anger must be disciplined. Our anger must be taken and offered to Jesus and brought under His Lordship so that it too can be redeemed and restored in us. Maybe that's not the answer you've been looking for. Maybe you're hoping that Jesus would come and just pluck your anger and take it out and you'd just never feel anger again, like some sort of lobotomy. That's not the answer. 
The answer is to see this God-given anger redeemed and restored in you. And it starts by you committing to dis disciplining it and offering it to Jesus and say, Jesus, be Lord of my anger too. Be Lord of this area in my life. When Jesus becomes Lord over our anger, we find ourselves more and more, day by day, set free. Set free from all that bitterness and all of that rage. So to finish up, uh, have you ever heard of someone who has a temper that is volcanic? Have you ever heard that phrase before? Like, oh, that person has a volcanic temper. Well, you might be saying, well, is, there, is, he a, is he a volcanologist? No, I'm not. I'm not a volcanologist, but I do know this. I know that there are two types of volcanic eruptions. I looked this up. According to Wikipedia, there, <laughs> there are two types of volcanic eruptions in terms of activity. Um, explosive eruptions and effusive eruptions when it comes to volcanoes. Okay, you can write this down if you want. Explosive eruptions are characterized by gas-driven explosions that propel magma and tephra. Effusive eruptions, meanwhile, are characterized by the outpouring of lava with, without significant explosive eruption. Now, why am I talking about volcanoes? Well, it makes sense when you think about people's anger. They can have volcanic anger, and that can mean these two things uh, pretty closely. I have found that people are a bit like volcanoes when it comes to anger. They are either like Krakatoa, if you remember Krakatoa was an explosive eruption, or they're like Kilauea, which is a, an effusive eruption. They either get angry and they blow up suddenly, or they just seem to ooze constantly. Have you known people like that? There's some people that are just real hotheads, and then there's just some people that are just oozing anger all the time. As you know, or as you may know, Krakatoa, I can't assume that people just have brushed up on their volcanoes lately, but uh, as you may know, Krakatoa is a volcano in Indonesia, and its last explosion, its last eruption uh, was violent. It was in August of 1883, and according to records, it created the loudest sound ever heard on earth. The loudest sound ever heard on earth. It exploded with the force of... Uh, 10,000 times greater than Hiroshima. 10,000 times greater than Hiroshima. It launched 11 cubic miles of debris into the atmosphere. It killed over 36,000 people, and it ruptured eardrums over 40 miles away. Over 40 miles away. That's like being on the other side of Branson and having a, a sound hit you that's so loud that makes your eardrums rupture and bleed. That's crazy talk. Krakatoa's eruption was clearly heard over 3,000 miles away. The shockwave from its explosion reverberated and circled the globe four times. Some of us are like Krakatoa. From the outside, we seem easygoing and we seem docile most of the time, but bit by bit, pressure starts to build up inside of us because we're keeping our emotions uh, under wraps. We keep pressing it down. We keep bottling it up. Uh, all this frustration, all this impatience, the pressure is building. And then suddenly, that thing happens. That person smarts off. That one uh, thing doesn't go your way. We reach a tipping point. Something sets us off, and we blow our top. 
We blow our top, laying waste to everyone and everything around us. Does this sound familiar? Do you have any Krakatoa friends? Do you have any Krakatoa friends in this room? Are you Krakatoa? Uh, so yeah, that's Krakatoa. Others of us are like Kilauea when it comes to anger. Uh, we are always just simmering below the surface. We're always kind of uh, oozing hurtful and snarky comments. We're kind of grumbling, we're seething, we're snapping at people here and there. Uh, those people, they might be called crotchety, which is a technical term, but I think it applies to this. It's just where you're like a to kind of a seething, oozing, angry person. Kilauea is a volcano in Hawaii, and it has been erupting constantly since the year 1983. Over the years, it has destroyed entire cities and even an amusement park with its slow-moving lava flow. I know there are kids in the room. I didn't want to traumatize or shock you. <laughs> cities and an amusement park. In fact, the name Kilauea, it actually means spewing. Kilauea is the Hawaiian word for, for much spreading, which sounds a lot like the kind of anger some of us struggle with, a spewing, much spreading sort of anger. Some of us have been, uh, some of us have a constant undercurrent of fury, this ooze of rage that is always there under the surface. It's a miserable situation to live your life angry. This low-grade anger all the time, that's a miserable situation. To always be on edge, it's exhausting. It's a tragedy, a tragedy to be stuck assuming the worst in other people. A tragedy to be missing out on, on all those opportunities for growth and for fun. A tragedy to be missing the point to be missing the, out on the purpose of anger. So I think we all have to ask. I mean, we all get angry, and our, our anger gets out of bounds. I think we all, to some degree, struggle with keeping uh, anger in its place. So we have to ask, like, am I more of a Krakatoa, or am I more of a Kilauea? This maybe is helpful for us to kind of start getting a handle on how we respond and how we handle that anger in us. And then ask this question. What might a healed relationship with anger look like in your life? What might a healed relationship with anger look like in your life? How might God want to redeem your relationship with anger? Believe it or not, God wants to redeem your relationship with anger. What would a restored understanding of anger look like for you? A, a baptized anger. That you could say, God, take my anger and baptize it. Turn it to something good. What would it look like for God to come and, and reorder your anger uh, and center it in its good and godly purpose? What would it take for us to move from a sinful, prideful, destructive anger into a restorative and righteous anger that honors Jesus? Could it be that God wants to use your anger to, to, to honor Jesus and to restore things in the world? How could your anger be put to good use? How could your anger start to motivate you to do good, motivate you to pursue justice, to defend the powerless, to, to, to liberate the oppressed in our world? Put your anger to good use. It'd be a waste for God to come and take it from you. How about He come and redeem it in you? 
Let's finish up with this one last passage from James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verses 19. Starting in verse 19 to 26. Understand this, my brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God. The word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says, otherwise you're only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself and then walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Verse 26, if you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. We should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Seeing our anger redeemed, it takes practice. It takes surrender over and over again, day by day. It takes practice. But in this, as, as in so many other areas in our life with Christ, discipline is the path to freedom. It's, it's worth it to discipline yourself, because this is where you start to see Jesus come through His Holy Spirit and start to bring freedom in your life. So ask for help. Ask for help. Many people feel so helpless in the face of their anger, so ask for help. Don't try to fight this battle on your own. Get accountability. Get counseling. But get help. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Catch your anger before you explode again. Catch your anger. Check it before it oozes out on all your friends again. Check it before it oozes out and your rage gets all over your friends and destroys those things that ultimately mean the most to you. We've caused way too much damage with our uncontrolled, unredeemed anger. So let's follow James' advice. Let's follow Tears for Fears' advice. They're good and godly advice. Listen first, seek to understand, and then shout. Shout. Let it all out and do it for God's glory. Wow, that, was, that sounded a little cheesy, but let's pray. <laughs> Father, thanks for your goodness. Thanks for a chance to open your word. And in doing so, humble ourselves to no, enough to open up something inside of ourselves. God, you're eager to meet with us. You've sent your Holy Spirit to affect work in us, to, to heal us, to grow us, to, to help us be free from things like anger. God, so much joy has been stolen from us through our unbridled anger. God, just stuff gets under our skin and it's so hard to control. And it's just hard to, to, to stay focused on uh, what you've called us to be and do in the world when our emotions are so uh, running wild inside of us. So God, I pray that you would speak a word of peace, of comfort, and of motivation in us. God, life is short and we don't want to spend one more day ruled by our anger whether it's an explosive kind of anger or just an oozing undercurrent of anger, God, yours is to desire us to free us from that and to see our anger redeemed and restored to its rightful place. God, there's much to care about in this world, and there's much to be angry about uh, with a righteous anger in this world. And I pray that you would help center us uh, in you so that we can go out into the world and put it to good use, just like Jesus did. Jesus set a good example for us, and I pray that we would follow that. I pray for that. I pray that for my friends who've been following Jesus. I pray for my friends that may not be following Jesus that recognize this anger has been Lord in my life, and it's, it's, it's an evil taskmaster, and I want to be free. Well, it begins with coming to Jesus and saying, 
I need you to set me free. I need you to restore me. I need you to take all this stuff inside of me that's just so messed up and so out of control and bring it under your control. When we come to Jesus, He becomes Lord of our life. He starts bringing order into our life. He starts expressing His will in our life. And it all begins by trusting Him, placing your faith in Him. So I pray that all of us would do that at a deeper level today, whether it's for the first time or if it's someone who just says, Hey, God, today I recognize my need for you and I need your help. So God, be with us. Thanks for this time tonight to try this out and just uh, gather together and, and, and worship you and to uh, seek uh, your wisdom in the Word through your Holy Spirit. We ask these things in Jesus' name tonight. In Jesus, uh, Amen. <laughs> I always mess up my prayers sometimes because <laughs> I'm cool like that. <laughs> hey, tonight, a uh, couple last things we want to talk about. Um, You'll be getting your care group uh, weekly roundup this week, give you some uh, important announcements about upcoming events and opportunities. Uh, there's some uh, uh, food we've been uh, given by Convoy of Hope that we're trying to distribute to our friends and family, to our neighbors, that so we're calling it Love Thy Neighbors. So uh, there's going to be upcoming opportunities to get in on that and bless people. Uh, so uh, be, be uh, paying attention to that as well as to the Facebook page. And then... Uh, <clears throat> Yeah, uh, so pay attention to that, and then we'll try to continue doing stuff like this. Uh, we'll try to keep the podcast going as well, but we just want to make more on-ramps into the fellowship because, yes, we hope to be back together soon in person, but uh, the fact of the matter is it may take longer than we'd like. So we want to uh, do kind of a both-and approach. And so as awkward as this feels and it's just not... Uh, something I'm used to quite yet, I'll get there. And uh, so will you. So I'm, I'm glad you're along with us on this journey. So uh, if you will join me in praying as the Lord taught us. We can have the studio audience stand too. How about that? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And now may the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Yeah. Have a great week, everyone. This uh, happened.